um hans have you ever seen that famous clip of like the the best way to end a movie ever no hold on i can find it <laughs> yes okay here it is the proper way to end your film it's a 24 second 23 second youtube clip okay you might have seen this already this gets passed around in the types of circles that you and I both frequent. in the credits wow um so this is from a 19 and 1985 filipino action film titled blood debts also apparently sometimes goes by the name eliminator this has been so hard to find but i finally like the best version I could actually find is on YouTube. Oh, that, that 30 second fantastic. clip is better than anything in Force of Execution. <laughs> uh, oh, we better be recording. Oh, Steven Skull movie mentioned. Yeah. Wait, I love the Wikipedia page for Blood Debts. There's a section just titled Internet Popularity. The film ends very abruptly with the credits rolling before the rocket explosion finishes or Bill's body parts hit the ground with both actors substituted with obvious and crude stunt mannequins simultaneously upbeat stock music is played over the scene and the credits contrasting with the sour tone of the on-screen text describing mark's fates i mean that's certainly one way to put it i mean i haven't ever seen this before but this is a just for some reason i don't know what it is but sometimes reading very literal descriptions of like very silly things is just like the funniest thing possible well you remember uh when which one was it that we did that for was it um was it belly of the beast where you read out loud the description of the final fight scene and it makes you think you're having a stroke But that one was weird because it was like it's like John he kills him, it? snapping his neck, throwing Killing him into him. a wall, which kills him, and does this, which kills. Him. Yes, was that oh, Belly of the Beast? I think that had to be. Yeah, it was Belly of the Beast. Yeah, here it is. Jake kills John Tapon by disarming him and breaking his neck. He returns downstairs, which is now full of dead bodies. Somebody fixed it. What? Oh, we got a well, listener. Well, thank Who, God what? This, this eternal archive of how it was originally written. No, you got to You got to check the. the uh, well, I'm looking at the history now. Oh, is it? The, was this the last e- edit? The last edit is it well. It be. was fun while it lasted. Sorry for the running joke. That has to be. Hold on. Who was that? We have a new listener. <laughs> is it? It doesn't. Can I compare? Uh, I don't. Wikipedia's thing is rough. Yeah. Compare selected versions. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> Jake kills John Zapon by disarming him and breaking his neck, killing him. He ends the fight by throwing John Zapon in a display cabinet, which crushes his spine, 
killing him. Jake breaks John Tapon's neck by throwing him, which kills him, killing John Tapon. Jesus. <laughs> Someone took it out. Who took it out? Cow a coward. Check the date. <laughs> uh second of september 2023 wait when did our episode go live belly of the beast went up july 11th it's been a while so two months later two months later we could have had an effect on the world that our first measurable effect on the world i don't have a username but i have an ip address this ip address comes from poland Okay. Wait, hold on, hold on. Hold up. Hold the freaking fourth. Is that like a... <laughs> Analytics. Is that a VPN kind of deal? No, Wikipedia actually gets mad at you if, if you try to edit it with a VPN. Wait, really? <laughs> I didn't know that. See, look at this. I have a white page up and look, my camera's garbage. I don't know what to do about that. I'll have to figure it out. Okay, wait. We have... <laughs> um, whenever I look at our the all-time data range of our analytics, we have, I am not exaggerating, one download in Poland. <laughs> You're joking! I'm no. not. I wish I was. <laughs> I wish I was that funny to come up with that as a joke. <laughs> I'm claiming we did that. That's that's the first measurable. So we have one Polish listener, and they and they went in and fixed the Wikipedia article that made no sense. <laughs> that is so wild. I hey, can't. That's our one such faithful a, Polish listener. Thank you so much for listening. Such an insane coincidence. You didn't have to edit that page. It could have stayed the way it was. That wasn't a criticism. It should have, it should, it should have stayed. Hans, can you can you change it back to the way it was before? <laughs> I feel like that would... <laughs> I feel like it's funnier if we don't. If this was indeed... <laughs> I want to have like a fun repartee with our one Polish listener. Oh my god. <laughs> our, our rival. We shall battle it out to the end. That's... I, I can't... That seems like such a coincidence. I <laughs> It can't be. That's insane. There's no way. I love it. If you're yeah, at, if you're genuinely 500. actually out there listening to our garbage podcast where we talk about garbage movies, including garbage human being Steven Seagal, thank you so much. <laughs> if you're so inspired by this to edit a Wikipedia page, I literally cannot think of an honor higher than that. <laughs> <laughs> we make no money from this. I, I just want the listeners to understand that. <laughs> You have never heard an ad on this show. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> yeah, that's... Okay, here. Call mm-hmm. to action. All right. What's lame call to action is like, subscribe, follow, yeah. buy the merch, use our referral code. Let's do some better calls to action. Edit a Wikipedia page because of something you heard from us. <laughs> Tell a friend... Not to watch a Steven. You don't have to tell someone not to watch a Steven Skull movie. They know not to watch a Steven Skull movie. Uh, buy the 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray of a movie that you like. Yeah, <laughs> no, just not a Steven Skull one. No, a movie that you like. Tell a friend 
about that time Steven Seagal was put in a chokehold and crapped his pants <laughs> on set. By legends, uh, uh, Gene LaBelle, was yeah, it? Was yes. It. <laughs> I mean, you can also like tell him to listen to our podcast and like subscribe and favorite and smash no, that. No, don't do button, that. But... Tell, tell, tell a friend about that time that Academy Award nominee, BAFTA Award winner, Amelda Staunton. Uh, joined a straight-to-DVD Seagal movie and acted absolute circles around everyone in every single scene with her. No, tell them about that time um, Dr. Cox from Scrubs and uh, uh, Alfred the Butler from the Dark Knight trilogy were in an environmentally... Oh, and the mean drill sergeant from Full Metal Jacket from the first half of that movie that people actually remember um, were in a movie together directed by steven seagal oh my god <laughs> directed starring written if i remember correctly oh interesting you know like, what's I, not I interesting like to... what force of execution starring <laughs> steven seagal <laughs> danny trejo and Ding <laughs> Rams, but you can't take your it's kind of like you know taking a screwdriver to a gunfight what's happening Okay, but real quick though, this you just said this is Sports of Execution starring Steven Seagal, Danny Trejo, and Ving Rams. The poster has Steven Seagal like front and center, and then Ving Rams and Danny Trejo on either side of him. This movie is not about any of them. No. This no, movie no, no. is about someone else entirely. It is a different story about a different character who actually yeah. has a relatively interesting, you know, in the context of what we're watching, it's an interesting a, story. For a Seagal movie, pretty interesting arc here. Yeah, and they just ignore it entirely. Oh, this is a Seagal movie, but it's not about Seagal at all. No, well, then it's a Danny Trejo movie and it's about Ving Rhames. No, it's not. It's about yeah. somebody else the entirely. Main, the main guy, his name is on the poster, but his face is not. The character and he has more Hurst. screen time than all of the rest of them combined. Yes, the character Hurst, played by Bren Foster, he did a pretty good job. Like, yeah. very respectable job as a leading man. Uh, he doesn't play drunk very well, which he spends a good <laughs> amount of the movie drunk. Uh, but he's real good at kung fu, so like they could have put more of that in there uh, and really let him shine. He's a very good stunt performer. Like I think he did a really good job with all like the the actual technicalities of the kung fu and stuff i don't think it was shot super well uh mm. but he can do flip kicks and stuff so that's cool yeah, he's like he an actual real life martial artist he's yeah. an actual he's actually good at movie action yeah and that's so strange to see back to back with seagal it's just okay. oh yeah one second oh. yeah one second oh one second oh. one second oh. Oh. this is steven c at all this is <laughs> this what? is episode this is episode thirty six of Steven C at all uh-huh. reviewing scare quotes ostensibly reviewing Force of Execution twenty thirteen directed by Keone Waxman starring Steven Seagal, um, Danny mm. Trejo and mm. Ving Rhames but mm. not really actually starring Brent Foster. Yes. My name is <laughs> yes yes. Uh, would you like to give us a plot synopsis? Names. Here? No, say your name. Oh, I'm Aaron. Okay. I'm Hans. Okay. All right, now okay. we can just like ramble and do whatever we want. <laughs> Let's. Okay, Aaron's right. I will. Aaron's right. Blast Give us a through a plot recap. And can then we play somebody like else's name in, the, in our opening credits that as isn't actually is like just makes basically a cameo and just pretend that the whole podcast <laughs> is actually oh, that about be, that person. That it's like the three of. Actually, what we should do is just like it's the three of us, and then we have this episode is just entirely hosted by someone else. Like we barely show up. For like <laughs> <one second. laughs> 
but it's like us like you know the names on like you know the when you search for us on like you know your favorite podcatcher app yeah and like the actual star <laughs> of the thing is the fourth credit and uh actually funnily enough the sixth credit on letterboxd if you look at the order there that is ridiculous <laughs> okay the main character so we find ourselves um in learning about what a force of execution is why does this movie does this start in the no it starts, it starts with a voiceover okay. <sighs> really bad one. okay actually no i can't get into this too much i need to do a plot recap it starts off with like a weirdly really good like static like i i can't say it's good cinematography no because cinematography <laughs> is not just pretty pictures it is like visually using the the you know the medium of film to you know help like you know like tell a story the, all the other parts of it yeah um right this shot has nothing to do with anything like it is the no. first shot of the movie it has nothing to do like with anything after it doesn't connect to anything but weirdly enough like the very first thing on screen i was like that actually looks good this is like from it a different movie. gave me too much hope and well it didn't give me too much hope because you actually have this like pretty cool opening shot of like the desert and then you have like the most basic like powerpoint looking like title intro for yeah. execution that was yeah. pretty rough this that was so, straight out of windows movie maker steven seagal is a mob kingpin mr alexander they call him um and he <laughs> brings in the actual star of this movie um who like we said is bren foster what is his character's name again hearst roman her roman hurst um and basically steven skull says hey you know what call him bren hey bren um i have some business associates here they would like this person who's inside of a prison to be killed um so i'm gonna send you in now normally in a movie like this they would like if you had like a mob and it's established that they have connections within the prison they would just be like hey person who's already in the prison why don't you just like stab this guy for me they don't do that they say, hey, Bryn, we're going to have you disguise yourself as an officer and break your way into the prison to kill one guy and then break yourself out of the prison. You know, classically, we... two of the hardest things to do. Literally, while you're in there, you are, you will encounter multiple prisoners that are, like, on our payroll and are in the know and, like, are understanding what's going on. And you'll even, like, talk to some of them. Like, They're you have not, informants have one... in the prison. We're not going to have they one of them kill that. this guy. That's so, so stupid. They send him in to kill this guy. He gets there and he's ready to kill the correct guy. And then Ving Rames is there and he says, You should kill that it's that other guy behind you. And so Bren kills the other guy behind him. And literally someone else is like, Hey, you, you killed the wrong guy. But Bren's like, just whatever, I'm I'm leaving. I'm getting it. so he just leaves the prison. And then they are very mad at him. They're like, You killed the wrong guy. <laughs> like as if there was any way he could have seen this coming. <laughs> they are so mad that this guy. He also Brent, killed Steve... like five other guys while he was there. Oh, yeah. he could have just wiped out everybody. Yeah, leave no doubt. He but he didn't kill the guy he thought maybe was it. But anyway, yeah, because we need a reason for Steven Seagal to say you are literally my most trusted, closest, like best associate. I love you. You're like a son to me. But now I'm gonna just let these guys like permanently disable you like beat the crap out of you and like torture you like because you made one mistake because you made this mistake it I was need, something I'm gonna, like 30 I'm gonna tell them years to spare you <laughs> it's even dumber than that like because the guy it was ving rames who gave him the bad intel when he was in prison ving mm -hmm. rames gets out of prison and then they meet and ving rames is like he killed the wrong guy and hearst is like bren foster says you you're the one who told me to kill like you were the informant i killed the person you told me to kill and Seagal chooses to trust Ving Rhames over, like, his number one best hitman, you're a son to me, here's a family heirloom guy. 
whatever. His hands are severely <coughs> broken. We yeah. see him six months later, looking pretty fine. Other than his hands not working too well, he yeah. actually seems to have healed up perfectly well. Unfortunately, uh, he, he does not to... get magical powers like Doctor Strange. <laughs> but he needs to hold his liquor bottles like with both of his like hands, just as like mittens. Like he, you yeah, know, that's basically the main difference. He's living in like a crappy apartment um, above Danny Trejo's restaurants. Um, and this is where we are also introduced to Steven Seagal's girl, who's not his girl. Uh, we this is have twice we've Karen. Done this. Uh, we have Karen played by Jenny Gabriel, um, who only hangs out at this restaurant. Seems to be friends with Danny Trejo, playing the character named Oso. She's never like a bartender. Yeah, yeah. You you can correct me if I'm wrong. Never see her actually interact with Skull. Nope. But no, not until she, the not very until end of the movie. Yep. In fact, has multiple long, heartfelt conversations with Bren and Danny Trejo and Danny Trejo, like boss father figure. Yeah. So again, much like um, which one was this? Born to Raise Hell. Uh, <laughs> Who knows? Where it would make more sense if just this other guy was the main character and Steven Skull really should be the main character, and it makes sense that this other guy fell in love with the gal. Um, that's exactly what's happening here again. Yeah. Okay. Blast through this. Let, let's, because I, I, I'm I'm like literally forgetting the movie as I'm talking. <laughs> this, like, while it's still there. This one was greasy. Just slides right off the brain. So so greasy. I'm watching it and I'm feeling none of it land. I'm feeling it just go right over. I'm like, right this. it was so difficult to follow well, too. So basically, what happens is now Ving Rhames is like, hey, I was like Seagal trusted me. I was his informant in prison, but now I'm just kind of doing my own thing. I'm making my own gang, and I am just going to take out Seagal and his gang. So Seagal, six months later, after this dude got the ever-loving crap beat out of him, yeah. he's like, hey, yeah. uh, I need you to like b- help me stop like Ving Rhames. You're like my most trusted best guy. I'm pulling you out of retirement, um, retirement, which was you being viciously beaten to the point that you can't fight anymore. Forced retirement by the mob. Forced yeah. retirement. Yeah, he retires him. And then he says, I'm pulling you out of retirement. And now, in like the, the most it, confusing way possible. Blasting. Blasting. Sorry. Sorry. We gotta blast through this. I have something to say about how he does this. It's so dumb. <laughs> okay, continue. I will. I will let you say that. Okay. But at least this should be fast because basically what yeah. happens is they kind of have an interesting gimmick where this guy can't use his hands really well. So like most of his fighting, he has to do like with his legs. So he's doing like a lot of kicks and like stuff, which is kind of cool. Straight out of but, one like, piece. Yeah, he's basically <laughs> like fighting dudes fairly well for the longest time. But then you know things are ramping up. So randomly, Danny Trejo, who manages this restaurant, is like, "By the way, I'm a Mexican witch doctor, and I'm going to knock you out and then tie you up and restrain your hands. But then wait for you to be wake up again, so I can inject them with a rare scorpion poison and like hit them with a chisel, and that's gonna fix your hands." There's two scorpions. But, but while he's doing this, Work Danny together. Trejo, Karen, and Bren are kidnapped <laughs> by Ving Rhames' men, and they're like, oh, hey, this guy, Bren, he's he's dead. Take him out to the desert and bury him. Um, while they're doing that, he all of a sudden, you know, he wakes up, and he has his hands again. He's fully realized he can fight again, you know, just as good as he could before. He kills the dudes. <laughs> um, Danny Trejo gets killed. Um, so now Bren has to meet up with Seagal and fight through Ving Rhames' guys, and then, very weirdly enough, they get to the end, and they're like, oh, it's only... Ving Rhames left. He's the only one alive. Okay, you go take him out and I'll go find Karen. And then like four seconds later, Ving Rhames walks into the room with Karen. So I'm just like, 
I don't really know why we needed that scene where they talk about splitting up and then immediately don't split up because both of the people they're look- like, where else would Karen be? If she's not with Bang Rames, she's fine. She's either with Bang Rames or she's fine. So you're both after the same person. So that was that was decide- the conversation they had. They were like, well, we find her, we find him, we find him, we find her. Got it? But yeah. It's, it's, it's weird. They're so talking about splitting stupid. up and then he just walks in the room and then he's just like, how do I get out of here? <laughs> so then... <laughs> Seagal turns on a flashlight and throws the flashlight in the air to distract him and then shoots Ving Rhames in the head. Uh, and that's the end of the movie. Well, no. Well, hold on. Hold that's on. not the end. Because Ving Rhames falls down onto the ground. They have a heartfelt moment where where Karen runs over to Seagal because she's his girl, even though that's never yeah. established. It's in the, the in first the... time they've interacted in this movie. Exactly. It's in the last, like, one minute. It's, it's just ridiculous. It's, it's just absolutely absurd. He has never, like, been there for her. She's had so much more screen time with Danny Trejo and Brent Foster than any of these other people. It's ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. But it's a Seagal movie. He's on the cover, so whatever. They walk away. Bren looks back over and sees that Ice's body is gone. There's a big, like, blood stain and then footprints as if he got away. And then he just, like, shakes his head. Hmm. And then the movie's over. He got shot in the head. <laughs> he like, got in the middle of his forehead. Head, and he just got up, walked away. The main character says, huh, that's weird. Cut to credits. <laughs> it is. <laughs> like, what? Thing. Like, this movie is very passably boring until you get to the end and you're like, what is happening? I don't, <laughs> oh my God. I also, understand. what's really funny, there's three people on this poster watching this movie are Ving, like Ving Rhames and Seagal. Are either of them even aware that Danny Trejo's character exists? Uh, Seagal <laughs> does know that Oso exists, like Danny Trejo's yeah. character. Mm, Apparently, okay. so Danny Trejo's restaurant is in... Seagal's, oh, that's like, right. He's territory. the one that tells him to which doctor the guy's hands back together. Uh, yeah, yeah. So his restaurant is in Seagal's territory. That's right. That is right. Seagal. And like the the thing that, like the straw that breaks the camel's back, for Seagal is Ving Rames trying to take over that restaurant for some reason. For some reason. Yeah. Right. Because that's where his girl works, and this guy he knows that he has not interacted with throughout this movie. No. Uh, yeah, that's that's the point. That's like the turning point for Seagal. Because up to that point, he has done literally nothing to stop Ving Rhames just taking over his criminal empire. That Absolutely nothing. Oh, it's also, it's, I'm not going to say it's worth mentioning. It should be pointed out. It should be pointed out. That's the same thing. Hey, hey, Steven. You can be the mob boss that sits around and tells other people what to do. And you can, I guess, if you so desire, be the person that is like special SEAL Team 5, oh, you dude, know, his get up. tactical, oh. like, you know, invasion dude. It is very weird to switch in the la- in the you third can't. act from one to the other. Both. To suddenly go from mob boss who sits around just telling, you know, saying the word motherfucker every sentence and telling people what to do. It's all of a sudden strapping up and being like, you know, the dude who trained every single person who was ever in the SWAT team. With the backwards ball be both cap of those on that movie. and the glasses. You can't do both. You remembered, oh wait, vest. this is what, who I want to be. And that's the guy we're going to get for the rest of these movies. You could this is that. This is the first of the goatee era Seagal. And they don't get any different. Sorry, Also, Aaron. Steven Seagal's villain it's... is imperceptible in terms of acting and characterization and lines and delivery and everything from his good guys. <laughs> anyway, okay, Aaron, I know you had something you wanted to So when Seagal is speaking to his right-hand man, uh, whose hands he broke, um, <laughs> and he's like trying to tell him that he's going to bring him back, 
every line he says contradicts the line before it and after it. <laughs> oh, that's some good classic Seagal dialogue. Like, yeah. he'll say something along the lines of, uh, I, I'm retiring you, you know, you're done. I'm going to call you sometime to bring you back. Don't ever contact me. But one day you, you will be useful to me again, but you're done. <laughs> like, I don't. Do you know what this scene is, Stephen? <laughs> Do you know what you're trying to accomplish in this moment? And just when he's saying that, you have to picture in your mind, you have to think about it with the worst, like, I don't even know what accent he's going for. This is like a, it's like I a mix of Western give and. Up. It's the accent of I one who has given up. I can't even describe it. It was so strange. It didn't, it didn't make like it, it wasn't, it, ugh, I can't get out what I'm trying to say, but that's because I can't come up with what it is that he was trying to do. It was just so odd. It didn't make any sense. And he's slurring his words the entire time. You can't actually make out what he's saying. I had to it's turn rough. on subtitles. I, I never watch these with subtitles. I had to turn it on because I couldn't understand what he was saying. That's saying something. I, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. I gotta be honest, I love you, Ving Rames, but I think, like, and Danny Trejo, but with the three of them, like, half of this movie's dialogue is people, like, older <laughs> gentlemen, like, very, very, like, just grumbly gravelly in their way through it. Like, yeah. everybody <laughs> talks like this. It's really hard to understand. That. Like, they're not doing the same voice as I'll be very clear. No. But they are all talking so low and gravelly. They're having, like, a gravel off at some point. A little bit, yeah. yeah. Um, the only it's it sucks because i like ving rames but he does not like he this is not he didn't do very work. well no, no he didn't do he, very well in this movie and honestly the performance you know what here's my like you know secretly a compliments you could put this on the poster and think it's like praise but it's actually very critical he brings the performance this movie deserves ving <laughs> uh, rames brings the performance warranted for this film so like i was in my letterbox review I said, Ving Rhames, you didn't have to be in this movie. Danny no. Trejo, you didn't have to be in this movie. Mm-mm. I was researching a little bit of what they've done uh, so, so far to this point. Like, Ving Rhames was just coming off of Ghost Protocol. <laughs> and Danny Trejo, this was his 15th movie in, t- in 2013. <laughs> Neither of them could have been this hard up for cash. Neither of them <laughs> needed to be in this movie. No. There is no I way. Mean, to be f- <laughs> It sounds like Danny Trejo had a free weekend. So they just fit him. <laughs> like, okay, you watch his witch doctor scene and tell me that was not just like completely oh. like off like the first read. Oh, dude, yes. Danny no, Trejo was bad. in a stark contrast to uh, Ving Rhames, Danny Trejo acted the out of this movie. He put in full oh, effort God. and he was just having fun. Well, I think he was trying well, to have fun. I don't like, know if it's full effort, but I will agree that it was to have fun. Okay, maybe yeah. not okay, maybe not full effort, but he I think he was having a good time. I think this... he looked over each of his lines once and then just like went did for maybe it. one or two takes, just but just went for it all yeah. out and they said, you know what, that works. So yeah. he goes when he's when he's fixing uh Bren's hands, he has him like strapped down, he has his hands like each individual finger strapped down to this board, and he's telling him about how he's gonna inject each of his fingers with these two scorpion venoms a black scorpion or scorpion poison and a scorpion yeah that 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 like together those will like fix the, they'll get the feeling back in his hands and fix his hands and he goes <coughs> 
he says, this was this was my quote. He goes, it's old family medicine. It goes way back. Mayans or Incans or some, I don't know, old. <laughs> and the look on his face, that, that might have been off the cuff. That might have been the first time he ever even saw those lines. I don't know. But he nailed it. It made me laugh so hard. Well, it was ridiculous. I think that, that's just kind of like an, a, a product of the fact that I think Danny Trejo can just casually outact pretty much everyone else in this movie. Could be. But well, but we talked about that with Machete and and how he can like he what was it that we said? It was that Steven Seagal wants to look as casual as Danny Trejo looks, but Danny yeah. Trejo puts in the effort and has the skill to look that casual and Steven Seagal does not. So he yeah. comes off looking like garbage. I but, mean, like you've said, he has done 15 movies this one year. Yeah. yeah. He is literally, like, he can do this with his eyes closed. Yeah. yeah. This was his 15th movie in 2013. That's insane. <laughs> but you have to remember, from that scene that you mentioned, you have the quote that you said. You also have, wait, have you done the surgery before? And he says, um, I mean, I think, I, like, I've seen someone do it before. <laughs> and you also have, can you at least knock me out while you do it? And then he responds... Uh, no, like the adrenaline from the fear needs to like course through your veins to activate the scorpion venom. I think something like that. <laughs> well, but and then, like, but it's when perfect. He starts, he's just perfectly the delivery cast. is perfect. Well, if, like, the, if those are the lines like... as written, he's just perfectly cast because he does a great job with those. He does. <laughs> uh, but when he starts like chiseling on the guy's fingers, he's hitting the wrong side <laughs> of the chisel. He has the handle of the chisel <laughs> up against the guy's hand and he's hitting the blade. Uh, that's again, that, that's how he saw it done. <laughs> Danny Trejo brings the exact performance that this movie deserves. I don't think that was an accident. I think he was like, "I'm just gonna do it upside down." Like, Who cares? Not to. Ding, like, ding, 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 ding. I don't know. It doesn't the, matter. That was in an otherwise like just mm, kind of dull, not necessarily terrible, but also not good. Like in just a middle of the road Seagal movie. Well, no, just sort of a middle of the road movie. Danny Trejo was a delight. Yeah. And Bren, sorry, Bren I forget Foster. your last name. Bren Foster. Bren Foster, solid. Very solid. good. He's like in that in that scene with the scorpion venom, he's trying so hard. Oh, you yeah. Can see, yeah. He's giving it his all to like he's scream and the whole movie. throw around and like he's a very good stuntman. Like he's doing cool yeah. flips and he does like and when he finally kicks Ving Rames in the head, he does like a double spin kick and it's pretty mm -hmm. impressive. Yeah, but that is back to back. It's like such a. I say this all the time, but it is. It's such a stark contrast. It's back to back with another scene where Steven Seagal is like casually throwing someone who runs at him into the background, and then they just die. Yeah. Because that's all he can do anymore. But that's su still supposed to be impressive. It's so strange. I think I have written down. Excuse me, I have written down in my notes, like, this is the beginning of what I think is going to be a new era, where, like, instead of Seagal doing the work, Seagal is still the front man. He is still the lead, but he brings in a younger guy. He brings in an actual martial artist to do the bulk of the work, but he's like, you got to do it my way. Yeah, I would doesn't. absolutely agree. It's, it's, I, I know we've said that a few times like oh this is a new era i think this is actually just like the way the movies are done from now on which honestly i'm fine with because this is the first time in a while i've watched a skull movie like there are multiple scenes multiple times where this guy will like jump off of a wall and kick a guy and like mm -hmm. land and it's all in one shot That's oh they do like a, they do a hallway cuts. scene like they do a hallway sequence mm -hmm. so i'm like, like you know what fight. this is fine this is 
less bad Seagal stunt choreography if he just has like the younger like this when I looked this guy up he has like martial arts and stunt work background he's not normally an actor I'm like okay just bring him in to do the flips and jumps and kicks and stuff if that's what he's good at don't yeah. try to make this like 60 year old man like keep trying to do this when he Obviously couldn't even do can't. it like in his younger years yeah but like how sad is it that this is still a Seagal movie? Like this guy should have, and it looks like he, like, I know we haven't gotten to this part yet, but he has a pretty successful career and has since had a, a successful career. But like that movie should have been, he his should movie. be front billing. Like that. Exactly. That should not have been a Seagal movie. This should have wait. been a Bren. I'm so sorry. I can't remember your name. Bren Foster. This should have been a Bren Foster movie. <clears throat> it was a Bren I, Foster movie. Yeah, I so it I just was. sent you I just sent you a bigger version of the poster. He is in this poster. I just yes. saw it. He's oh. in the reflection in Seagal's glasses. That's so much what? more insulting than not being on the poster. Isn't worse. it? That's worse. That's, That's awful. So on He's in one reflection of one of Seagal's sunglasses. Also, That's ridiculous. Can tell me what like don't break the code means. <laughs> uh, don't, the gangster uh, code. I don't know. To kill the wrong prisoner and kill the <laughs> oh, wrong wait, prisoner. Oh wait. Oh wait. And then have the guy who told you the wrong prisoner. Oh, he's, right? in the, he's on the poster in two places. In the lettering for Force of Execution. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Oh, you're right. It's a subtle one. Oh. That's double it worse almost, than just... It almost feels like they Mid-kick. shot this movie. It almost feels like they shot this movie, and then he's like, okay, but I'm like... I, his agent is like, he needs to be on the poster. He's literally <laughs> the star of the movie. <laughs> so they just did the most like technicality, like, yes, you were on the poster way possible. Yeah. Seriously, that's so insulting. Like, honestly, that's... I, like, I'm insulted for this guy, because this movie does him such an injustice. Like, the poster could have been that flying kick that's in the lettering. Yeah, could have been. Could have been any of them. Yeah, he does, like, multiple flying spin kicks, and they're pretty cool. And nope. Nope. We just get Seagal and his painted on hair and his goatee. I think Bren Foster's flying spin kicks by themselves have more screen time <laughs> than Seagal or Danny Trejo or Ving Rames. Yeah. And that's, but, but for like Danny Trejo or even Ving Rames, like he's the villain, but Danny Trejo is just a supporting character and he yeah. nails that character. But Seagal being like the front man, he definitely those his spin kicks definitely have more screen time than Seagal does in total. It's <sighs> just insane. It's wild because he shows up at the beginning, he's gone for most of the middle of that movie, and then yeah. he decides to suit up and like help out at the end. Yeah, yep, yeah. Because it's his mansion that they're defending. Sorry, I just, I just had like, I was very confused throughout most of the middle of this movie, like the middle forty five minutes or so. Yeah. Like what was actually happening? Because people are talking to people. Like there's there's these whole there's these two <laughs> the clubs <trend> continues <laughs> that people are going in and talking to each other in these two like nightclubs, and one's like Mexican and dead, and there's like nobody there, and one is not, and there are like a hundred people there all the time. And, but I don't know, like you don't find out until almost the end of the movie what each of those places are. Like one is owned by Seagal, the one that has nobody in it is under Seagal's protection. <laughs> and the other one that has all these people in it is Ving Rhames. But, like, that's not explained until almost the end of the movie. No. Like, so I had no... People were just talking to people. There's a there's guy with a cowboy hat that we haven't talked about at all who gets killed in his truck off screen. Because it doesn't matter. Because it doesn't matter. I. <laughs> this is very affirming because I was watching this movie just thinking, oh, no, I have the recap for this. Like, I'm going to struggle. I'm going to need someone I, else to do this. I think you nailed I it. Just like, you got no, the beginning. Really matters. Yeah, it doesn't. You got the setup and then you got the end. You got the payoff at the end. And that, that was you got the hands broken, hands fixed. 
That was it. And that was the, thing, the movie. Like, that actually is more of a set of payoff, more of a character arc, more of like a hero's journey than any other Seagal movie. And it's yeah, right? not Seagal's character. <laughs> yeah. That's so, I'm honestly, I'm, like, I'm getting more and more frustrated the more we talk about this because it's. <sighs> yeah. Yep. 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 We don't actually get the central conflicts until like an hour into the movie. No, not really. One of my notes here is. Uh, uh, where is it? Where did I put the? Oh, who are these people? Who's who? What are the factions? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> I don't. You know, I'm at like the hour mark, and I don't know the answer to any of those questions. And it ju- the movie does move very slowly. It does. I, I think like the opening prison scene is at least somewhat interesting because you at least kind of know the mission. Yeah, yeah, then, that's clear. Like, there's a couple fight scenes in the middle that you just seem to happen for no reason. And then at the end, you kind of, you you know, okay, now this is the final showdown. Like, I understand why it's happening. <sighs> so, like, the parts that actually have plot reason to happen, I can remember fairly well. And the middle is just a big blur. Yeah. I watched this literally earlier today, and it's a big blur. Uh, two things that I thought were very funny. Uh, so, at one point, Seagal meets with Ving Rhames. To like sit let's sit down and talk this out. You know, we don't have to fight. Uh and Seagal just says, uh, make me an offer for a certain amount of money and I'll just fly to Thailand and you can just have everything. <laughs> I don't I don't actually oh. care. I'll just leave. <laughs> yeah, fun facts about this whole mob takeover Ving Rams is doing it. Seagal is trying to retire. <laughs> He's done being a mobster. He doesn't want to be a mobster anymore. <laughs> and at the end of the movie, Bren asks him, So are you really gonna right right before we look over and see the the villain, Iceman, Ving Rams, has just gotten up and walked away after being shot in the head and he goes, Oh, that's weird. He asks Seagal, So are you really gonna retire after all this? And Seagal as as his arm around Karen, who you know shouldn't be with him in the first place says yeah i think so and then he walks off what so he's trying to leave Ving so gonna be like, hey can stupid. i be in charge it's gonna be like sure i didn't even know that honest honest to god i did not know that he was trying to retire until then i i got to that maybe, maybe that's why it stood out to me because he asked are you really gonna retire and i was like what do you mean retire when was he supposed to retire and then <sighs> so i thought that was funny that he offers to just sell his entire criminal enterprise and move to thailand um, which definitely should have taken him up on that Thailand. one. But Thailand. I gotta go to Thailand for, for a, a, a thing. thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was a weird... Like, that was a weirdly specific <laughs> suggestion, right? Yeah, Seagal probably threw that in there. Like, he could have just said, I'm just gonna leave the country. He could have said, leave the country, and that would have been fine. But he said Thailand specifically. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, also, so, <laughs> after Bren Foster gets... Uh, double poisoned in the hands by two different kinds of scorpions. Uh, he passes out, and Ving Rhames people get him and throw him in the trunk of a car and drive him out into the desert to like chop him up and bury him in the desert. Oh yes, because they think he's got some sort of contagious disease. Sure, uh, they didn't want to bring the plague into their house. That not my not my words. Theirs. Uh, and so he like hops out of the trunk. And he, he's fighting these two dudes, and he gets into a knife fight with one of the guys, except, like, every time the camera angle changes, there's a new knife in the fight. <laughs> so first, it's Bren Foster has no knife, and the gangster has a knife. And then they'll, they'll like, do a couple moves at each other, and then it'll cut away for a second, and it'll cut back, and now they both have a knife. Uh, and, then it'll, and then it'll cut away, and then it'll cut back, and now the... The gangster has two knives and Bren has one knife. Uh, and then to cut back, and but they both have two knives. And to cut back, 
and then he has Bren has two knives, but then the gangster has a knife and like a like a piece of rebar or something. <laughs> it was very funny. Just, I thought that change. was actually quite funny. I think they were just kind of having fun, maybe, or yeah, there was so. they just did not care at all and just said, "Hey, let's try this with like let's do the same fight scene but with like a bunch of different weapons." And discovered when they did that, it took too long, and they only had like five short together. fights instead of one long fight, and they just had to cut them all together. That's my thought. So here's my thinking, my theory, because I I think that that scene was filmed like by like second crew or something. Oh yeah. I don't think I don't think that scene was filmed by the same crew, the same director, maybe even I don't know that filmed the rest of the movie because it yeah. was shot differently, it looked different, it was obviously in a very different location, but the actors didn't show up before or after that either so like brent foster was the only yeah. one like the, the guy who was driving the truck i don't think he was the one who left with no, the truck was it wasn't Different even actor. a truck they, they they had him in the back of a pickup truck and then when they were driving him out to the desert, he was in the trunk of a car. And they didn't yeah. show that transition. Nope. So it's a different actor, different car. And then the other actor, the other gang member, meets him out there on... A, like a dirt bike. On a, Yeah, on a dirt bike. So th I think it was just like they filmed entirely separate by another crew. And that's why it might be... Maybe they were having more fun with it. Maybe they didn't yeah. know how to splice the footage together. But I also think they were just better at it. Maybe had more fun that with it. has happened a few times it in has. these movies. It has. Is, it was just, it was such a, I'm going to say it again, because I say it all the time. It was such a stark contrast to the rest of the movie because it, it was just so, everything about it was different. And you notice it immediately, like, that doesn't make any sense. I don't know who that guy is. But you you start off the scene with the guy, like, calling his girlfriend, telling her to get ready because he's going to be home soon after he buries this dead body in the desert. He meets up with his buddy who's on a dirt bike who brings a shovel. And then he starts making fun of him, calling him one shovel because he only brought one shovel to go bury a body. And the guy's like, you got a car. You could have had a shovel. And there's this like witty, not witty, but it's like this fun back and forth, making fun of each other because the guy only brought one shovel to bury a dead, bury a dead body in the desert. I was, yeah. I was having a good like, time. It does feel like it's from a different movie. I it think, does. Like, well, this happened before. Like, remember in a Dangerous Man, where no, you had like I the... don't remember anything about Dangerous Man. It's all too even think I could. I, I, while Hans was talking, I had to look it up. Which movie? I was about. Uh, but like, you have the two Chinese gangs, and they're out in like Wyoming or something yeah uh and like some of the scenes especially with like the cops look pretty good and like a yeah. lot of the b-roll is nice yeah but then you get to like the main meat of the movie and it's just like shot bad lit poorly mm -hmm. like no one seems to know their lines the blocking is weird uh so this is perhaps a keone waxman signature yeah that just like did he also direct that movie yeah. so keone waxman has directed Starting with The Keeper in 2009, A Dangerous Man in 2009, Maximum Conviction in 2012, oh my God. True Justice, the TV show, which we haven't watched. Which but, we haven't watched and I don't play. And it. then Force of Execution in 2013. And he still will also do A Good Man, Absolution, End of a Gun, Cartels, Contract. He's like this oh whole era that we're in is Keone oh, Waxman. Oh no. Wow. Okay. We are four in so far. Uh, interesting. Keone Waxman like septology or whatever. Interesting. So out of those four, where would you it's rank this? Octology. The Waxman Uvra. I didn't actually count. I don't know how many. Um, <laughs> they just all feel so much the same, but this one has a better cast than the last few. I just like they got a real martial artist. 
who had a real story, who's actually can act. He can't really drunk act, but for the rest of the movie, he can Everything act. else he does pretty well. He doesn't act drunk yeah. very well, but everything else he does great. So, And, and in fairness, acting drunk is really difficult. So hard. whatever. Like, he should have been the star of this movie, and then they, like, uh, I don't know. He was the star like they're of like, the okay, movie. well, but if we bring Skull into this, we'll get funding. <laughs> but I come back to something I say like every other episode. Why? They could have. If, How? Like, they could have even played it like Danny Trejo could have been Seagal's character. It's like they. Yes. It's like they bumped Danny Trejo down to the role of like, I no, guess, owner of bar. I so think that, that Seagal could be the lead. Like half of Seagal's gang members are Hispanic. <laughs> Actually, you know what? <laughs> what? It's like it was that it's it feels like at times that was the intention. Yeah. Yeah, actually. Yes. They speak Spanish to each other frequently. So the so the script doctor of what this should be is just Danny Trejo Mexican gang, gang versus Ving Rhames African American gang with Ben Brent, Fo- Brent Foster, Foster is loyal front and center on Danny the poster. Trejo, but he's the main character kind of in between this gang warfare. Yeah. And he has the romantic subplot with Karen, yes. who I'm sorry we haven't really talked about her character, her actress as much. Her character is just relegated to being rescued. I'm yes. so sorry. Like you're not given a lot to perform with. No. That is not your fault, Jenny Gabriel. She you have uh, was sexually assaulted thin. and kidnapped, and those are the two things that happened to her. I think you. I think she has like the most paper thin like female character we've seen in the Skull movie, which is saying a <laughs> That's lot. That's a lot. That is a low bar, and yeah. somehow they scooted her right under it. Yeah, that was amazing. Um, but yeah, and then you just completely remove Skull's character, and this whole movie makes a lot more sense. Yeah, yeah. so you, you have, don't have a guy yeah. randomly trying to retire to Vietnam, but also engaging in gang warfare. Yeah. <laughs> so you have like the Thailand. Hispanic gang versus the African American gang, and this white guy kind of caught in between, doesn't really know what's going on, uh, and he has to pick a side or die, and that that would be the movie. But yeah, that would be a much better cool. movie. Okay. Yeah, Force of Execution. Still don't know why it's called Force of Execution, but I'll watch nope. that. Yep, Don't nope, break the code, no. apparently. No. They should just call it West Side Story. <laughs> <laughs> um, any other thoughts on this movie? I is this so now that we're sort of getting into that time period where we're bringing in a younger martial artist, is that like how Seagal sees himself? Does that genuinely I think that's how he sees himself like back in your like you know back in, in his days? Yeah. Yeah, like he he is this actually like him sees taking himself taking a guy under his wing or something. Oh, I, there definitely there is a, a feeling of like the old heads like showing the young new people the way things are done. Yeah, and that's really frustrating to me. <laughs> yeah, except throughout, like just in the story, I don't know how things were behind the scenes, but according to all the information we have about his other movies behind the scenes, not good. Uh, yeah, but like throughout the movie in the plot of this, all that Seagal does to Bren Foster's character is just abuse him. Yep. Yeah. No. There is no reason for Bren to be loyal to Seagal at all. Not at all. Not a one. To literally like just be completely beaten out of work, and then when he shows up, like, hey, actually, can you fight for me again? After I told these dudes to like you know beat you. He does have a reason disabled. to be loyal that's... to Danny Trejo, though. Yes. So that's actually a, a really good point because I'm just now like now that you say it, it was Seagal's character who asked Danny Trejo to use his witch doctor scorpion magic to give Bren his hands back. He yeah. could have done that. At, I mean, 
ignoring the fact that he should not have let him for one mistake in whatever 30 years for his best you know hitman his his right hand man of his entire crime syndicate to whom he allowing him to be yeah yeah yeah, exactly giving him a family heirloom allowing him to be tortured and disabled and then kicked forcibly retired from the mob and then giving him six months of being absolutely miserable turning into a drunk and then saying actually i need you again let's fix your hands up like what kind of garbage is that now that i now that you're useful to me again i'm going to give you medical treatment right but i didn't care when you were you know suicidal and you know an alcoholic it's such (sighs) but you know who did care about him danny Danny trejo Trejo and karen who gave him a place to live and fed him and gave him like a job sometimes and like movie sucks cared about him actually you want to know something funny please you're gonna hate hans you're gonna hate this so much Let's hear it. But weirdly enough, I saw a TikTok comment. (laughs) No, weirdly enough, I saw a TikTok comment the other day that like was strangely both like kind of strangely like you know wise in a way in what it said and also like weirdly applicable. So far this episode, you brought up a tweet and now a TikTok comment. SMH my head. (laughs) He's dang millennials. But I saw a TikTok comment like, you know, earlier this week that said there's a point of absurdity that is beyond moral justification. <laughs> what? And I there is a point of absurdity that is beyond moral justification. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I think that's the only way to read this movie. It's like, there's some point where you're just like, this makes so little sense and like sounds like such a fever dream to describe it that you can't even begin to unpack like how messed up it is for a character to do this. Because yeah. you're like, why would they even do this in the first place? How would they even do this in the first place? Why is this happening? Like, yes, it is messed up that he had the guy be in and then waited six months. But, like, his cure is a bar-owning Mexican witch doctor using scorpions. You're just like, what? What? <laughs> like, I can't even consider how messed up this is because I can't even consider any part of this without my brain folding in on itself. <laughs> And that's the movie. It makes negative sense. It makes negative sense. Yeah, it's like when you walk into a room and then walk backwards out into a different room. Like, it is non-Euclidean. It is the old ones. It is Lovecraftian to try to comprehend. Also, the first, like, when they're in the prison. First of all, I kind of laughed at the beginning whenever apparently the main like conversation of prisoners sitting around like in the cafeteria of a prison is just talking about how much they love stabbing other prisoners oh my (laughs) god what they talk about all day um but the first 15 minutes of this movie are like a surprise pop quiz on every single racial slur you've ever like maybe heard at (laughs) one point and i was really concerned that was going to continue and thankfully it does stop but that's a really rough opening 15 minutes again (laughs) it is (laughs) absurd beyond the point of like moral comprehension like it's just i'm like i can't even talk about how problematic this is because like my brain isn't ready to actually absorb what is happening it just it gets to a point it just like rolls over you at a certain point like you're already drowning in it so adding more doesn't really change anything exactly (laughs) i'm drowning and you're giving me a water bottle like that's what's happening Like, you might as well just throw more on there, because it doesn't change anything after a certain point. I'm already <laughs> dead. a really good way of putting it. So this movie is weirdly, like, overwhelming and forgettable 
to the nth degree, but also just completely like overwhelming to the senses and like beyond comprehension. I don't know how that happens, but overwhelming and underwhelming at the same time. You know, this I was I'm I'm thinking about this now. You ever watch like like a horror series or something where there's a character who keeps showing up but acts in like a like a metatextual way and, and mm, okay. maybe you wonder why is he here? Like what's going on? Like he doesn't make sense as in the narrative and this whole thing would make sense actually make more sense without him in it. And you find out later at some point that he's like some sort of monster from beyond the universe, like encroaching into the narrative and that like the horror comes from the unknown. I think Seagal <laughs> is the elder beast, just like <laughs> reaching into this narrative and asserting himself where he doesn't belong. And like it, his character makes no sense. Like if it were a Tyler Durden situation where like Brent Foster just imagined Seagal's character, <laughs> and he never actually existed it would have made more sense i'm open to that interpretation i would also agree that much like the old ones of the cthulhu mythos that if you stare at these small movies long enough it will drive you to madness and i think we're all experiencing that so, yeah. oh it's t- i think you're right it's too like, late for us we are <laughs> witnessing the un- incomprehensible we can rename the podcast the on the sanity. mountains of madness <laughs> drinking from the fountains of sadness like we have to ask reason at this point. <laughs> On the mountains of madness, drinking from the fountains of sadness. I think I is killed Hans. A, is that an Aaron original? That's an Aaron original. You oh can take my that to god, the bank. I love it. We gotta, we, we need to use that somewhere. The blood That's, bank. That is perfect. <laughs> the blood bank. Just the, the I'm ashamed of myself. Oh my god! You shouldn't be. That is art we are making from this trash. Perfect. (laughs) The the gold we are making from this lead. These are ready made. You just gotta like turn them sideways, and suddenly it's art. (laughs) Uh, I cannot wait until we get to watch the prequels of this film. What? What? Whoa! What? Oh my! So we just watched. So we just watched Force of Execution. We did. One year later, 2014, a good man. Seagal and Keone reprise the roles as actor and director. I don't believe any of the other. Um, let me double check that real quick. Yeah, it doesn't seem like anyone else comes back. But allegedly, the next film we'll be watching, a good man, is a prequel. With Seagal's character and no one else. So literally, the prequel what? to this movie is going to contain the one character that we said cannot and should not actually be in this film. <laughs> the That's... most disposable character has his own prequel movie. Outstanding. I would expect nothing less. I. So that will be next episode. I'm sold. Good man. The prequel, apparently, allegedly, the force of execution. Um, and it seems you... like just reading like the two, the actually, sorry, three sentence <laughs> synopsis on IMDb. This has nothing to do with force of no. execution. Why would it? Like, it's not it's... about him building his crime empire in New Mexico or like, no, he's in like Bucharest or something. I don't know. Ugh. I I don't care. These movies don't no, care. Why I mean, I? Under Siege, Under Siege 2 <laughs> um, had nothing to do with each other other than the character name being the same. Um, Black Dawn and... Whatever that was related to, nothing to do with each other. <laughs> other the, than the characters' names. That was the, the same. foreigner. Yeah, foreigner. Black yeah. Dawn. Oh they yeah, had yeah, no yeah. Story beats related yeah. to each other. No, not at all. Not even close. 
that's very much a trend. Completely this unrelated. This is the first time we're seeing it in the you know Keone Waxman era. I'm but... looking forward to Beyond the Law just oh, having no, nothing no, to do no, with please. anything. <laughs> I'm... Honestly, I hope they try to tie it back in just like the weakest way possible. Hey, remember that movie from the 80s? <laughs> no, actually, I don't. I mean, maybe it's one of the only ones you remember. I actually Aaron, don't. I think... I think for uh, Beyond the Law, you should watch that one with your dad. I think I, yeah, oh, I should watch that one with my dad. You're right, absolutely. <laughs> Say, hey, dad, remember that movie that you liked? Above the Law, blam, 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 that one? It has a sequel, did you know? <laughs> that Seagal made like 30 years after the fact. Direct to video. Direct to video. <laughs> oh, man. Let's watch it. So. I mean, Ving Rhames, you know what Ving Rhames has been in before and after this. Dan Trey, you know he's been in before and after this. Brent Foster, like we said, this was his like first kind of acting role. He has some other credits. He was this. good. Yeah. I wanted him to get more stuff. Yeah, and yeah. it looks like yeah, he actually, he's, he's had a like, good career after this. Stuff, sci-fi and horror. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Jenny Gabriel, who plays Karen. She was in the Maze Runner Scorch Trials and The Kid in 2019. Nice. Sure. She is a couple. I hope she's doing well. Um, those are the only names that I really. We have two Breaking Bad alumni in Do this. We? Yeah, yeah, Danny Trejo. Oh well, and... okay. oh three actually, including Danny Trejo. I didn't even think about that. Jesus Junior. Well, uh, Danny Trejo's head. That's true. Yeah, he was. He's a strip club bouncer in this, but he's been in Pasigal movies too. He was. Um, Oh, I can't remember his character's name. He was Tuco's right hand man in Breaking oh. Bad, and then Wait, I w- the dude that Tuco punches the absolute like living out of. No, it's his buddy. Oh, uh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, he's the other one. Gonzo was his name. Yeah, and then Sarah Minich, Minich. I'm sorry, I don't know. Uh, she plays stripper in this movie. Very nice, but she also plays party girl in Breaking Bad. I don't know. Oh. Wait, did you mention Rio Alexander's that you were just talking about a second ago? Who mm. Rio Alexander, he's the cowboy who dies in his truck that doesn't really matter oh. to the plot of this movie. He was also in Breaking Bad. He played a federale. Really? Oh. He was also in uh 310 to Yuma and Sicario. Oh, okay. So, so for Breaking Bad that alums. maybe they're making this Mooney movie and they're like, hey, Danny Trejo, can you just like find us some like people you've worked with? But he'd like finds a couple like, you know, other people. that Well, were Danny Bad Trejo and, and Ving Rhames were both in a movie that same year together. Really? Uh, hey, yeah. Guess what? Tate Fletcher. He was. They were in Death Race 3 together that same year, 2013. Death. OK, I'm watching Death Race 3. I'll tell Is... you that much. Was the Alexander one of the clubs in this movie? Rio Alexander? No, no, no. The uh, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, Alexander Guard Number One, played by Tate Fletcher. He was also in Breaking Bad as Lester. Oh. He was also in the original oh, John Alexander Wick. Alexander is the name of Seagal's character. Ah. Uh, Mr. Alexander. Well, then he was one of the guards to Mr. Alexander. But he was also in Breaking Bad. He was also in Jurassic World, John Wick, Westworld, The Accountant. Oh. Okay. Free Guy. Wow. Why wow. are The Accountant and Free Guy the two that you like sounded most excited there? I'm just I, maybe the most that I'm surprised about. They're recognizable. I haven't seen either of them, but. Dang, that's funny. Star ratings? Two. Solid two. Oh, I'm a one and a half. What did I give this on Letterboxd? I think I gave it a one and a half. 
Yeah. This is one and a half is my like mid tier, not completely blatantly offensive, but not great Seagal movie. Mm, um, maybe I'm putting this too high. Most of it. Yeah, I gave this one and a half. One and a half. Well, now you're making me second guess myself. I thought I thought too because too. I wanted I I wanted to to elevate Bren Foster Bren Foster's performance above Steven Seagal, considering he's not even on the freaking poster. Well, well I, I did, outside of the reflection in Seagal's glasses. I did watch this within hours of finishing Napoleon. So like... <laughs> okay, you want to know the sad thing, though? What? Earlier the same week, yesterday. I don't know why I said earlier the same week. Yesterday, <laughs> um, Sarah and I watched, which is technically earlier the same week, I guess, but people seem to get weird whenever I say like the other day, and it was like more than a week ago. Anyway, um, Sarah and I watched. Because well, that's weird. <laughs> Sarah and I watched A Built More Christmas. <laughs> a built more christmas is a 2023 hallmark original christmas movie uh-huh. i saw ads for that the entire thanksgiving weekend like nice the, like, the whole thing takes place in the biltmore house or uh yeah it's in the biltmore house it's so in a biltmore christmas the gimmick the setting of it is that there was like a classic like we're talking like it's a wonderful life era like you know early hollywood like christmas movie that was shot in the biltmore and this gal is writing the script for like the reboot or remake of this movie. And they're like, we don't like the ending that you gave. So we're going to fly you down to go stay in the Biltmore and kind of tour it to like get an idea. So sort of like write this movie. Oh, that's nice. And she ends up finding this hourglass that sends her back in time. So she goes back in time to like the set of the Biltmore. And <laughs> okay, like, this is way like, more than like <laughs> I was expecting. Okay, but hear me. Okay, movie. but listen, because this is the thing. Ordinarily, I would be like, oh, I watched this really good movie earlier this week, and I remember it so much better than the Skull movie. And you should watch that instead. I watched a very <laughs> decent movie earlier this week. <laughs> By will Hallmark. Say, probably the best Hallmark Christmas movie, Hallmark original movie in total I've ever seen. <laughs> but, like, my comparison, my barometer is not like, oh, I watched Mission Impossible or John Wick earlier, and this is so much worse. Like, the action is so much worse. Yeah. I watched a Hallmark original movie. I enjoyed it more. I remember it much more. I would recommend it. My movie, if you, hey, instead of watching this, you should watch a Biltmore Christmas from the Hallmark channel. So you want to hear if something? You, oh, go ahead. If you enjoy Hallmark movies or if you like live with a partner who like enjoys Hallmark movies and makes you watch Hallmark movies, um, Biltmore Christmas is actually pretty good. Those Hallmark writers, they came up with a second plot this time around and it does not disappoint. So you want to hear something really funny? Obviously. <laughs> I watched over Thanksgiving weekend because I was at mom's house and she had the Hallmark Channel on the entire time, obviously. I watched (laughs) the spiritual successor to Three Men and a Baby, Three Wise Men and a Baby. (laughs) (laughs) It's the the mom, it's it's instead of like three like three friends that live together it's three brothers that live like with the in the vicinity of and like in the same house as their mom just depending on where they are and the mom in this movie was the woman whose baby it was in the original movie so like they they pitched this to her and asked her if she wanted to be involved with it and she was like yes that sounds like a great idea and that was actually a really good movie <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome re- to welcome to Mark the Halls with Bows of Holly, the Hallmark <laughs> uh, original movie podcast. Of, of all of the like cheesy, just like pump Wait. them out every year Christmas Hallmark movies, this one was actually really good, and it gave me a lot of good belly laughs. Well, I was very surprised. What are their names? 
Steven, Taylor, and Luke. Ah, uh, they missed an opportunity there. Mm. <laughs> Although I don't know how you get the names Melchior, Casper, and Balthazar to work in a modern uh, Hallmark movie. <laughs> I don't think, no, I don't think so. No, I, I see the issue. <laughs> Yeah, that but, was uh, good. That's we, gonna um, be since you're since you're doing that. That's gonna be my recommend. Wait, so this two out of our three recommendations are gonna be for Hallmark Christmas movies. I yeah. love that. That's amazing. Um, Aaron, what Hallmark movies have you watched recently? I have never yeah. seen a Hallmark movie. <laughs> well, <laughs> sounds like you need to watch Three Wise Men and a Baby. <laughs> sounds like you need to watch a Biltmore Christmas. Um, ooh, ooh, what I'll what I'll recommend instead is uh, uh well i have to find the name of what it's actually called wait aaron you want to know something crazy what so for a Biltmore christmas the like lead actors you know hallmark movies like reuse a lot of the same actors i didn't recognize them like sarah did like sarah recognized most of them because like her and her mom love these movies yeah like i'm not even joking her mom literally like set an alarm to like watch this when it like aired on tv like <laughs> we we just happened to find that it was on like peacock so we watched it but there was an actor i recognized um, oh. one of the main characters is played by Jonathan Frakes. Oh, really? Riker from Star Trek. Really? Yes. Wow. That's wacky. Uh, I I can't believe this. I, the, the, um, like just the, the amount of like fond memories of like happy juice I'm feeling in my brain from thinking about a Biltmore Christmas. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's just so much better than <laughs> Force of Execution. Force of Execution. Uh, what I what I will say to watch instead is a TV show. Uh, it's Reed Drummond's Christmas Cookie Challenge. Um, my mom doesn't watch Hallmark movies, but she does watch like Christmas themed like baking competitions. Mm, and the great okay. thing about Reed Drummond's Christmas Cookie Challenge is that it's hosted by Reed Drummond and Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson, I love you. My heart goes out to you. You are not good at hosting game shows, but that makes it so much better. Like it's so good. Like he bites into this cookie and he just doesn't got anything to say about like the cookie. He just kind of says whatever Ree says and get roasted. It's great. I I can respect that because I like, I would love to be like a food show host or whatever, or like, you know, an Anthony or Bernay parts unknown, like travel and just like eat food host. But I know I can't do that because like, these professional chefs like an andrew zimmon or a bourdain will like you know talk about the complex you know flavor profiles of something all oh, you don't be like oh that's good yeah and they're like you can't say more about it i'm like yeah it's pretty good it's like real crunchy. <laughs> yeah it's good so i'm like i i get it because that would be me i'd be like mm, this is this could be better this could be better right yeah yeah this could be this could be better try to do it better he's my favorite part of the whole show um <laughs> uh, i i don't watch the show on my own but like every time i go to my parents house during like the christmas season my mom's got it on <laughs> and I'll, I'll walk over and say, Ma, this show is not. And then I'll sit down and watch the entire thing with her. Yes. Uh, because every episode, they, they it's not like each episode is just like one level of the bracket. No, no, no. They'll do the entire competition in one episode. They get those things going. <laughs> it's like an hour and 20 minutes. And they you have a winner at the at the end. You have like 20 bakers at the beginning of the episode. And by the end, you have one winner. It's kind of amazing. Dang. No, we like got the like Santa visit like Lego playset, and I was like, oh, let's like put together like our Christmas Legos while we watch this like bit more Christmas movie. Yeah, and then I ended up like paying a lot more attention to the screen than I thought I was going to. <laughs> yeah, there's like fun little references, like when she's back in time and talking to the guy. This guy's like, oh yeah, like my friend Jimmy would say, oh you gotta make sure you have the Christmas spirit there, you know. And it's like he's doing the Jimmy Stewart impression. I'm like, that's funny because it's the 1940s. It's funny. <laughs> that's funny. Those like, they do cute little things like that. Although weirdly enough. 
a lot fewer of like the cultural differences between times jokes that you'd understand it like oh. at one point she tries to high five him but that's really the only i'm from 2023 and you're from 1947 like oh. joke that they make huh they're surprisingly restrained in that way what about but like, they like will re- the but they'll like reference like henry fonda and stuff like like the clothes would have been way different well, no, because she's staying in the Biltmore, like oh. where the film was shot, and they have like props there on set. So she's like, "Hey, oh. since I'm researching the script, can I see some of the original, like you know, clothes that they had for props?" And oh. so she wears like clothes from that period when she goes back in time to oh. London. How convenient! More care and thought than anything that's been put into. <laughs> any- again, we are here to talk about <laughs> ostensibly talk about a Steven Seagal film um, called Force of Execution. More care and thought in that one little de- like. I'm not going to lie. I'm thinking way more positively about this Christmas Bill Moore movie than I thought I would. And I can, at this point, now that I've like talked about another movie for more than like two minutes, I've like already forgotten. Like, I can't tell you anything else about Force of Execution. If you ask me to like it's, name it's a plot detail, it's gone. Slipped it's, right off the brain. It's greasy. Right it's greasy. Greasy so movie. We should probably wrap up this episode. <laughs> oh, did we, uh, did we give our uh, favorite quotes? You got mine mine it's i think like a prisoner says this it's either a prisoner or one of the gangsters somebody says like don't shit in my toilet (laughs) and i don't remember the context or why he says that or what that's supposed to mean but i remember he said that and i'm like okay that's i gotta remember that because if i remember nothing else that's my quote um i think uh my favorite line is i don't know the exact wording but i might be stealing from hans because hans mentioned a bunch of lines and then said well you have my favorite line uh so mine is when uh danny trejo is trying to explain his his witch doctor magic and he says it's old i don't like aztec or incan or something yeah. i don't know that is on... <laughs> that's the best line it is easily yeah not even close yeah honestly the best just kind of whole series of words delivered by any character is like that scene from Danny because everything danny trejo says in that scene is gold, gold. To some extent. yeah i have i have three things that we didn't talk about very very what? quickly Three. I'm um, st- just three things. Just real quick, real quick. Oh Very gosh. small. Uh, when the bad guys, the gang members, come into the cafe to try and kidnap Karen, mm-hmm. um, they are intercepted by Seagal and Bren. Bren manages to fight off as many bad guys as Seagal does, but he doesn't break any of the tables or no. the furniture or anything on the counter. He doesn't wreck the cafe that is Karen's business. Seagal just destroys everything in a very Seagal manner. Just, yeah. just kind of goes to show what he thinks of himself. Um, and other people. They, they straight up stole like the classic line from, I think, Bad Boys 2. Mm-hmm. When did that real. come out? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that came out in 2003. That was well before this. They steal the the classic line. It just got real. I I was like, you can't you can't do that. You can't just do that in this movie. This movie does not have the street cred to steal that line. No. And then the last thing, the gangsters in their pickup truck that they threw Bren into the back of. There's a Jesus fish on the tailgate. Nice. <laughs> nice. I think the only movie that successfully stole that line from Bad Boys Two was Hot Fuzz. Right. By right, literally but, stealing, by the by scene. stealing the footage. Chef kiss. It worked perfectly. It, it was. Ex- I they could just talk for that three scene hours from another movie. I could talk for hours and hours and hours, a full day even, just about how incredible of a movie, how how perfect, top to bottom, beginning to end, 
how perfect of a movie Hot Fuzz is. Well, maybe one day we could do. Ooh, we could do like a Simon Pegg season. How about that? Ooh, well, I'm not <laughs> a season. A Simon Pegg season would be fun. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, but anyway. that was kind of force of execution. That was force of execution. That was a lot of not actually force of execution. Some of that was force of execution. <laughs> Join us next week for a good man. A or force don't. of execution zero force Prequel. of execution origins <laughs> starring steven seagal for some reason because <laughs> although very likely not <laughs> because our minds have it gone to the equally possible in a prison of our own making yeah um and you're in here with us <laughs> we're not caught here you're caught here with us okay thank you good night bye that means one of us has to die So we talked about this little a couple weeks back. We wanted to get Hans's oh, yeah. thoughts on this little kind of indie film. Maybe you've heard of it called Titanic. And then after <laughs> talking about Titanic, he said, "Wait, wait, 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 wait." No, it's I a historical drama. Like, the crystals Not in my mind thing. have recrystallized. I have new thoughts, new perspectives that he wanted to share. He walked into so, the wrong mind palace. Uh, yeah, he so just, he's like, I guess this just is place. To clarify on what Zach said, we have talked about this already. More recently to when we actually did watch Titanic, I rewatched Titanic with Zach and Sarah yep. for the first time in many years, uh-huh. gained, I think, a new perspective on the movie. We talked about it on the pod, and then almost immediately after, I realized, no, that was wrong. What I said, not right. Doesn't actually reflect my true feelings about this movie. Mm. So I asked kindly like to have it cut from that true. episode so that we could re-record my thoughts. And then we forgot about it for like five weeks. So <laughs> now, 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 two months after the fact, here we are. <laughs> we're going to talk Titanic. I'm going to repeat uh, some of the things I said before. Like I said, I think I gained a new perspective on the film. I originally said that I thought that it was not much more than a cheesy romance drama that happened to take place on a sinking ship and that I thought that it made light of a tragedy. I don't think that that is the case. I think I was wrong. I think in my last time I watched this movie, I was probably a teenager, maybe even younger than that. So I didn't necessarily. I know. Gross, right? Teenagers are gross. I know. I was one. The... I don't think I had the perspective that I have now. I like to think that I'm at least a slightly more well-adjusted person as an adult than I was as a teenager. Mm -hmm. It was a very good movie. I loved the detail that was put into it that I did not have the mind to comprehend in the past. Um, I had Zach and Sarah talking at me constantly throughout the film, telling me, yeah, Zach's pointing, telling me all of the little details that are historically accurate that James Cameron went through painstaking like work to make happen in this movie. And to their credit, it works. It was a very good movie. It is most certainly still a cheesy romance that happens to take place on a sinking ship. I'm not going to back down from that, but fantastic movie. Now, let me clarify some things. I think Rose is the villain of this movie. <laughs> Hans. Okay. Be, be for real. <laughs> okay. Elaborate. So, the premise of the movie is the, the whole... Throughout the whole movie, it is Rose retelling her experience of being on the Titanic, meeting Jack Dawson, falling in love with him, falling out of love with her abusive fiancé. And then taking his name when she gets to America and living like her dreams instead of being tied down to this jackass, right? 
Like, that's great. That whole story, everything about that, everything about the ship, all the retelling of all that junk. Great. Fantastic. Loved it. The retelling of this is happening from a salvage ship that is trying to find her diamond. They went through, they have like investors that are that are pouring millions of dollars so that they can go down to the Titanic, bring a safe back up to the surface, open it up and find a diamond that should be in that safe tracked by like insurance records or something. And they find the safe, don't find the diamond. And that's how Rose like finds out about it. She's on a TV show or whatever or on the news. And they fly her and all of her out to this ship and her granddaughter, I think. And then she regales them. Real life wife. Yes. And then she regales them with this tale. And that all good. That's great. Cool. I'm with it. I'm, I'm into it. That's, that's fantastic. And then at the end of the movie, she takes the diamond out of her pocket and explains that, yes, she didn't tell them this. The people who have spent their entire lives finding the ship and trying to get down to the ship and finding investors to dig up treasures from this ship and following all of these insurance documents. She actually had it the whole time. It's sort of retconned that she found it in her pocket because he put it in his pocket and then gave her, her his coat. Uh, she had it the whole time and didn't tell anybody and then just chucks it off the back of the boat and then goes to bed and maybe dies in her sleep. It's okay. kind of shitty, right? Okay. Like, no come on. <laughs> Not a debate, but a question. So That's one, how debate starts, Zach. <laughs> Not a debate, but you're wrong. Hear me out. This is the cross-examination. <laughs> cross-examination. I would. I would. I'm just a simple country lawyer. You know, I didn't go to no big city school or nothing. But I would like to call to the stand, Mr. Schreiner. <laughs> now. One smaller point. I can't do this on the accent this whole time. Um, <laughs> I would like to slightly tweak, rather than it's a cheesy rom-com that happens to be set on Titanic, I would like to posit that it is a cheesy Nora Ephron rom-com, which oh then God. halfway through, just like drastically, like sharp cut, like you leave the theater, walk into a different theater of like a Jerry Bruckheimer disaster film, which is even funnier to me than a rom-com that's just <laughs> Titanic. Would you agree with that? Story? I would agree with that. I'm right, I, point made. Cool. That's Thank that's you. totally okay with me. That that the the core, the meat and potatoes, the heart of this movie is phenomenal. It is a cheesy love story, and then yes, it turns into a disaster story. It's incredibly well done from start to finish. Yeah. No notes, no complaints, no improvements to be made. James Cameron's a genius, whatever, until he made Avatar, then he turned into an idiot. The <laughs> okay, well, you made the first Avatar is still okay, it's fine. The first okay. Avatar is fine. So yes, I'm on the same page. Movie. I'm on the same page no. so far. Fall no, continue. Follow up. Second question. Bigger points. Yeah. Um this is a real life thing that like the, the dives to the Titanic are somewhat controversial. Like it is a real life thing that essentially, in the perspective of some people, I'm not saying this is necessarily my opinion. But under the perspectives of some people, if you're no matter how much money and time and life that you've spent pouring into it, if you're funding an expedition to go to that Titanic to find treasures, you're essentially grave robbing. Oh, absolutely. So you say, oh, they spend all this time. They fly around. Then she throws in the ocean. and She's so mean. She's the villain of them. Is there any moral imperative? Do you actually believe there is a moral obligation that because they have put time and energy into this, they are owed the heart of the sea? No, not at all. It's hers. It's hers. But yeah, okay. but the point stands like she 
I understand it would not have been the romantic story that it is. Oh, yeah, I understand go, yeah, that. Give this to your investors. I understand that the heart of the sea is like a representation of her heart. It's a representation of her link to Jack. It's a representation of her getting throwing it off the ship. Is her officially getting rid of her abusive potential future husband, or I guess uh, you know letting go of Jack after she led a fulfilled life because he told her to do so. Like I, I get that. I understand that that would that, that what I'm suggesting would not have made as picturesque of an ending. <clears throat> However, these people <laughs> flew her out to the boat <laughs> with all of her and her dog and her granddaughter, and then she just doesn't tell them that they could have even you know they could have made it so what uh uh crap what's the the guy his name he was in Twister uh Bill Paxton. They could have made it so she tells, like, in secret, Bill Paxton, like, meets her out on the back of the ship where she's about to chuck it into the water, just like Jack met her on the back of the ship as she was about to jump in the, off of the boat into the water, and is like, hey, what are you doing out here? And she shows him the diamond, and, like, he's like, oh, my God, you had it all this time, and she explains what it means, and then, like, she still show, throws it off the back of the boat, and he's, like, cool with it or something. I don't know. I, I'm not the script doctor so here. I'm just saying it's, I did not, like, that was not the heartfelt end for me that it sh that it should have been for me because I know that's what it was intended but because I'm a stupid chimp and my brain doesn't see <laughs> things the way that most people see them I did not like that I thought that was <laughs> she well it's just so what you're I, I so I think what you're saying is that she has the logical the emotional the moral and like the narrative high ground to that what she does is correct but she shouldn't have done it yes Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> Still bothered. Like, oh, it was completely right, like morally, legally, ethically, story-wise. Um, but she should have given him the diamond. Yes. Exactly. Thank you. you know, Maybe I'm not not necessarily <laughs> not necessarily that she had to give it to him. Just it was just it. that they should have known about it. The, the whole crew, like the whole point of the movie is that the crew is being regaled by this tale. There are, there are specific hard cuts away from the story back to the crew who are like sitting on crates in a ring around this well, old woman. Wasn't story better who's... than Finding the Heart of the Sea? Wasn't no, listen to me. This is I like these people. Yeah. No, 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 no I, listen. Like, these people are being. Side here. Wait. Okay. I think it would have worked I'll better have... if like everyone saw her drop it yes and yes like, was okay with it yes after hearing her story they realized they don't need the heart of the sea like they don't need that the heart of the sea exactly was the it was the friends who made along the way, along the way. <laughs> exactly yeah. thank you that's maybe that's what i'm driving at here these people like all were pulled away from their jobs for an entire day because they were so invested in this woman's story of of her like last days on the titanic and, and understanding this man that there are no photos of and no one knows of and there's no historical documentation of and he only lives in her memory and like that's the whole big thing and they're so engrossed in this story and then none of them get the closure that she gets. That's frustrating to me. Well, okay. I, yeah, so not, it, it could so have I'm worked. I'm not going to say you're wrong. Yeah. I think you're wrong, but I'm not going to say you're wrong. <laughs> um, I guess my main, you, you're allowed, you're allowed to think that. I think that's valid um does that make her the villain yes you started this with she's the villain i think that's a strong stance she's the villain who else is the would... villain of the movie I, the, the movie doesn't the, need a villain the, 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 the villain rich the asshole iceberg. that hits his wife what do you mean who's the villain it's the iceberg hans what do you want like <laughs> it's man's hubris like what do you, what answer do you want 
Like, okay, uh, maybe I was a little dramatic. Okay, I I admit, maybe I was a tad bit dramatic in starting off with that, but I don't particularly care for the ending. I think it was. I I don't. I think it could have been better than it was. I was not left satisfied by that ending. I think it could. I think Hans has something there to say that like the it might have had like a a bigger impact if everyone else on the ship who heard her story got the same closure that she did about it. Exactly that. Thank you, Aaron. Okay, now something that thank you for putting into words what I cannot. Because the last time we talked about this isn't going to make it to the air. I just want to make sure that my rant is included. I want to be very clear (laughs) that when Hans is saying that Rose is the villain, he is not saying, because Hans and I talked about this a great deal, I want to make sure everybody knows he's not saying Rose is the villain because she doesn't share the door. You can bring in the external sources. You can talk about how Mythbusters tested it, but you don't even need that. Literally, if you watch the movie, if you open your eyes, if you watch the series of moving pictures and... Pay attention for more than four <laughs> seconds between, you know, eating your popcorn and slurping your big gulp. And we would not have to endlessly repeat online, oh, they could have both fit on the door. Oh, just let them on the door. And no, the movie literally shows no. them both try to get on the door and it doesn't work. It does. It does a very good job of explaining why Jack has to freeze to death. They show it and like it takes like half a second. It's very clear. It's not a hidden little detail. It's There's quite no plot obvious. Holes. 20 years, more than 20 years later, we don't need to talk about how she should have let Jack on the door. Yeah. Y- you're wrong if you think that. That's not a debate. You are just incorrect. <laughs> Go back Rose and watch the, the movie villain. again. Go and back and watch the movie. Get the same perspective that I just got. You can skip ahead. You can even skip ahead at the last 30 minutes or whatever. He couldn't have fit on the door. If you're going to skip Both. ahead, watch the entire, like, watch from the time, from the moment uh, it hits uh, the iceberg, yeah. because that whole sequence. I mean, just watch the whole movie. Is... It's coming out in 4K this year. Oh, Spoiler. that's true. It is. Oh, fun fact. I'm going to get that whisper on 4K. this. I'm going to whisper this because this is a secret. It's a secret that I'm going to put in a publicly airing podcast <laughs> that is available freely on the internet <laughs> because it is a secret for my wife. My wife does not listen to this podcast, but Ooh. my wife, Ooh. Sarah, will be getting the Titanic Ooh. Collector's Edition 4K you know, fancy collector's edition set that's coming out. It is nice. pre-ordered. That will be under her Christmas tree this year. Very that's nice. So and Aww. it's very funny that I can I can like literally put that on here and she won't know because she does not listen to this. She's definitely not listening like <laughs> 10 minutes into the well, post music like stinger of an episode. Well, hold on now though. Aren't I are, I thought you were going to going to play this for her my to hear my reactions. Well, not until after Christmas. After, yeah, after Christmas. <laughs> she can listen to this December twenty sixth. Yeah, and be like, "Ooh, he knew the whole time. He pre-ordered. <laughs> he pre-ordered the four K collector's edition, and I didn't even know. Because he's maybe a I should listen to his Look podcast. That's a pretty good um, gift. I like. Yeah, that. I'm, I'm actually I'm pretty excited. It has if you get the collector's edition, it has like replica tickets and like sheet music that like the the really you know, the, oh there's some cool, cool there's some cool that's pretty in there. sick. It is quite pricey. Well, Worth that's it. Neat. Uh, so, good movie. Just watch the whole thing, but stop repeating. It is three hours. I did not remember it being that long. It's a long movie. Well, because it is. We've talked derogatorily about how, like, some movies, like these Stephen Skull movies, are just like two movies. Like a movie starts and then all of a sudden it ends, and you're in a different movie. Yeah. yeah. This is like Titanic is literally two movies, but like in a good way. Like it is this rom com. It is about her falling in love with this guy, and then it is like, oh. 
boat is sinking and water okay. is pouring in, like everyone's dying. But they're both linked by like the same well, that, that's entity, what I'm saying. the that's same what I'm saying. story. It is two, These it Steven is two Seagal movies, movies in a good way. are two movies that are not linked in any way that's, other than the fact that's that they I mean. both star there's, Seagal within the same half, two, hour and a half. This movie is just two movies crammed together derogatory. This movie is two movies crammed together positively. Like this isn't a positive <laughs> end. It is done well. But yeah. like it, like it's funny because on this most recent rewatch, I kind of similarly had like a reevaluation. It is funny how jarring that shift is, but like how jarring it doesn't feel like literally like the lighting changes the cinematography changes like the mm-hmm. everything like changes like within a scene yeah hmm. and it's perfect i like, like i said i different I, movie but it's done very well as one movie it is it's still i a complete film like i said i i i there was so much like both story detail and storytelling detail environmental detail like everything about it that i just did not take in when I watched it as a teenager that it, it's a phenomenal movie, start to finish. Everything about it, it's perfect. The the CGI in parts of it has aged just there a little poorly. And I'm like, actually I'm really excited for the 4K Blu-ray just because it's going to be even more noticeable. Yeah, because like, little like, janky, <laughs> like you know, Gran Turismo, like oh, PS2, no. like figures, like mopping the deck on like you know the wide shots. I'm so yeah, excited it's to see those it's a it's a 4K HDR. It takes you it takes you out of the immersion just a little teeny tiny bit, and then Aww. you just kind of chuckle at it, and you go right, you dive right back in in the next scene. Although, so we saw it when it came out um, in theaters, like uh, this past Valentine's Day, for like the three D re release. The really funny thing with the three D re release is like normally the like special effects of the iceberg don't stick out. But when you watch it in 3D, it looks like, you know, um, when you're on one of those, like, Universal Studios, like, you know, the rides that have, like, 3D images and also, like, practical stuff. Yeah. Like, you'll, there'll be a screen in front of you that, like, shows a thing you crash into. And then, like, you know, the seat you're sitting on whips or Like, you crash into a virtual taxi and it whips around and there's, like, a real taxi cab there that's, like, busted and, like, in the wall. Yeah. It feels like that having like the iceberg layer and then, like, the iceberg stuff that comes and <laughs> crashes on the deck. It, feel, it felt like I was on like some kind of weird like universal like you know theme park ride it was very funny and you don't get that quite as much when it's not in 3d in like 3d it was like super apparent like it literally just looks like they had like a rear projection screen of like the iceberg and then like there's some extras off screen just like chucking like ice cubes like, <laughs> ice on the deck. well like a but movie from you know that time period <laughs> oh, no. this is the thing there are special effects that like have age and you can see the age but you're yeah. like ah uh, but you look so much better older you are a fine wine you are a marissa tomei like you only get better with age <laughs> um versus you know what's steven's call for me was aged when it came out this has nothing to do with anything we were just talking about but last week well not last week week before last mm-hmm. doesn't matter i I have never seen the extended editions of any of the Lord of the Rings movies, and uh, like never. And I got all I got the full set on 4K Blu-ray, so and it comes with nine discs in this yes. box set. You get the theatrical cut, one disc per movie, and then the extended cuts, two discs per movie. Like it, it stops yeah. in the ha- in the middle of the movie and says the story continues on disc two, and you have to go swap so it out. Good. It's a surreal experience having to do that again. Weird. Anyway. <laughs> anyway so good. uh first of all phenomenal movies and the extended yes. cuts outstanding just yes. perfect in every single way those movies have held up like remarkably well incredibly well and i think so much of that is because there's so little 
CGI in it. What like well, there's there's obviously plenty of CGI in those movies, but compared to what you get from like The Hobbit, which I've seen yeah. at least more recently, it's night and day. The amount of like actual real world shots that just hold up because they're real world shots of New Zealand, I think it is, right? Have you watched some of the behind the scenes stuff? Uh-uh. So like when they're designing the orc armor, like if you know the background lore, you can tell like what orc clan each individual background stunt actor is in <laughs> based on like the shape of the helmets and like the gorgets and like it's wild it's because just... they had they had a team of people that throughout the entire production of the movies just sat in a back room and twisted steel rings to make ring mail mm-hmm. like for years that's all <laughs> they did was to, to make all the armor that they would need for the movie and it because was because it was all handmade real chainmail and it was like I don't know. I, I, they're like, you know, when the, when the cave troll comes in, when they're in Moria and when they're, uh, there, there are a couple instances of like really high shots of, of like the the tree ants and stuff that they had to CGI people Mm -hmm. in there. And you Mm -hmm. can, you can tell that it hasn't aged so well, but it's the same thing. Like those are so few and far between of real location shots that those movies have held up so perfectly that it, it was they're phenomenal yeah just just really really excellent movies although yeah. so i'm in a camp i'm in a weird camp on the extended editions i say i love the extended editions i do think they're better than the theatrical cut if you've already seen the theatrical cut yes because they add in some stuff that is good context and yeah. there was some other stuff in there that i was like that's weird didn't really realize that was going on. That didn't really make sense. It, and all of that is just like stuff from the books. Um, <laughs> kind of disappointed. I was ready for you to come in with like a spicy hot take, like you know, the extended no. cuts. I'm like, ah, no, actually, that makes sense. I'm like, yeah, ah, no, right. like if, if you have not seen these movies at all before, watch the theatrical cuts your first time, and then like gonna a few be like three later, songs in and be like, why? What am I? What's going on? Yeah, you get like this whole like twenty minute sequence with Mary and Pippin in fangorn forest like fighting over Entwater, and it's funny which to be fair it's great it's great it's great it has nothing to do with the rest of the story it's a total aside um there is some stuff that gets cut i'm not really sure why like okay some of the saruman stuff got cut his death yeah his like, death is in, in the, the theatrical cut, cut. he just like stops like he just doesn't show up again he's he's like they the the ants wreck his whole and he's backed into the tower and, and that's the last i again. saw of him ever yeah and then i'm watching the movies and he like he, uh uh what's his name worm tongue yeah. is up on the top of the tower with him and he insults him and throws him back and then worm tongue stabs saruman in the back and he falls and is impaled yeah. on this wheel that yeah. just like then slowly spins and his body gets like dunked in the water below and then he's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's a huge detail. <laughs> and they just don't, it's just not in the theatrical version. Like one of the main villains of the first movie. Yeah. So yeah. wild. To end the Steven Seagal podcast. Oh, this shouldn't. Media. This should not be included in that. Bump, bump, bump. Hey, this should hey, be. Bump. This should be cut from that hard by, cut. By physical media. 
Thank you for sharing your thoughts on Titanicons. We appreciate it. Bum, bum, bum. I now, I rest my case. My, that cross-examination was still going on the whole time, by the way. I rest my case now. Okay. You may leave the stand. Objection. Okay. I think I'm, I think we sort of landed, oh, I banged into my mic. I think we sort of landed in a good spot, I think. Yeah. 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 And Lord of the Rings. In, <laughs> in Middle Earth. Yeah, on one pod to rule them all, the Lord of the Rings. And podcast, the world of Arda. Surely doesn't exist already. Like, we'll guess we're, we got to be the first. We were in the land of Mordor where the shadows lie, where the shadow man lives. Um, okay, I'm going to stop my recording. Yeah, I'm stopping my recording. All right.